You're listening to Games from the Cellar, the board gaming podcast featuring authentic board game conversations. I'm Stephen, your host, and tonight I was joined by John, Chris, and Sam to play the second edition of Merchant of Venus. Honey, tell us about Merchant of Venus. Well, Merchant of Venus, designed by Richard Hamblin, was first published by Avalon Hill in 1988. The second edition was a joint effort by Fantasy Flight Games and Stronghold Games and was published in 2012. At the time of this recording, Merchant of Venus, 2nd edition, has a 7.1 rating with 3,800 ratings on BoardGameGeek and has a ranking of 1012, also known as 1012. It is a 1-4 to player medium complexity game that should play in about 120 minutes. So thank you for joining us in the cellar as we go in-depth with Merchant of Venus. So, Merchant of Venus... This is the Fantasy Flight Edition. And we are playing the classic rules tonight, Playing the classic rules. We've never actually played the... What do they call the other rules? Standard rules. Standard rules. Yeah, we've never really messed with that. Um, You guys have been, like... You've you've taken a firm stance against playing the standard rules ever. I mean, why why try? Because the game is damn near perfect. I think I tried once. In the classic rules. Do you turn away the sweetness? That's the question. I mean, variety is the spice of life, gentlemen. It is. I get that, mm. but I really just like the game the way that it is. Honestly, I mean, I wouldn't be I, opposed to giving it. Have a you shot. ever tried it? No, I've never tried it. What have you heard about it? But it's not the classic. It's not the well, classic. I understand that, it's but it's well, got I mean, a different running gear. There's extra rules for different things. Every now and again, you'll bump into somebody on the internet that says, yeah, no, I actually really like the, the standard rules. But I mean, lo- most I, people sit there and say they like the classic. I'm, I'm with Samuel. I'd like to give it a try. You guys clearly have a history with this game. You mm-hmm. want to go into that a little bit? Uh, so, yeah, I was just trying to look up and see what our actual logged history is. Will um, Adrian be uh This is Richard the names. This is Richard. Yeah, I hope so. Okay. Yeah, I just we were real busy this weekend, and I wasn't able to nail down a time to to get her to. And I feel really bad because I know I butchered those names for Heat Pedal to the Metal. Like, those were some tough names. They were tough. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're Norwegian or something. Denmark. They're Danish. Danish. And I I have one friend that's Danish, and I can only say his first name. His his last name has an R and a J next to each other, and I just can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, we've um, we've played this one a lot. Uh, you know, this is one where in my board gaming infancy, uh, when I was doing nothing but listening to the Dice Tower, Eric Summer would come on and always talk about Merchant of Venus and how great it was, to the point where you know he built his own set and it was ridiculously hard to get a hold of and i was like all right if i'm gonna make a if i'm gonna make a game this is probably the one i'm gonna spend the time to make Mm -hmm. and about that time all the drama started with what was it fantasy flight and stronghold stronghold yep so you know we we knew what we knew it was coming so at that point i'm like great i dodged a bullet i'll wait till it hits retail and i'll just pay whatever the price is and you know it's a really interesting story in that you know, you've got two publishers that are working independently on reprints for Merchant of Venus. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, one of them kind of teases that they're, um, that they're, they're doing it and as a marketing thing, not as a, not as anything else. And well, I guess it was Bonacore that teased it. Yes. Even Bonacore Fantas- of Stronghold Games and essentially announced over a podcast, very mm-hmm. similar to this one, that 
he had secured the rights to Merchant of Venus, which at the time was one of the grail games that would never be reprinted because Hasbro owned it and Hasbro were just awful people and wouldn't release it. And so um, not about that us. time, Hasbro Christian Peterson, are awful people. Uh, Christian Peterson of Fantasy Flight's like, well, wait a minute, we have the rights. And so what what you have is you've got the makings of something that could have been could have been terrible. Could have been a real mess. Yeah. Could have been a real mess. It could have yep. gone to legal. It could have been dragged out, and this game could have never been made. Right. But instead, they came together and they realized this is too good of a game to not put out. So they actually collaborated. Yes. Which is unheard of. Yes, and I, I'll be honest with you. I think. I think the reason you have two versions of this game in one box is because Stronghold Games wanted to publish the original classic exactly as it was, and Fantasy Flight had already done a revision and had rebuilt some of the the game in order to quote modernize it. And you mm-hmm. can, I, I haven't played the standard rules, so I, I can't tell you whether one is better than the other. But the result was that you ended up with both games coming out on the same box, both mm-hmm. versions, because everybody loved this game. It was originally an Avalon Hill game. It was in a cheap little box, and it had old fashioned Avalon Hill markers, which were not terribly exciting. But everybody loved the gameplay. It's a Richard Hamblin game. He's kind of a legend. And and that's who Stephen Bonacore, who had gotten with, he had gotten with Stronghold, or Stronghold had gotten with uh, Hamblin, the designer, who felt that he owned the rights of the game, that it had reverted back to him. Meanwhile, Christian Peterson at Fantasy Flight had gotten with Hasbro and had licensed it from them. So between the two of them, they both thought they owned it. When Bonacore went on the podcast and announced that he was making it, the very following morning, Fantasy Flight put out a notice saying, hey, we're going to have this up for sale in the coming months. And that's when everything got heated and excited. And instead of getting nasty with each other and going into court and being in trouble, the two of them found a way to come to common ground and build this version of the game. And it's just, it's glorious looking on the table. It's really a beautiful game. And it and it it is it is everything everybody made it out to be when it was very hard to find. It's just a great play. Yeah, it's. I mean, you talk about table presence. I mean, first off, the board. It's a nice six-panel board, and the art's nice and bright, and it's very easy to read. I mean, even across the board, like over in front of Samuel, I can kind of see what's going on over there. It's. It and it's just it's. It looks great for a sci-fi game. Once you get the mechanics down, the mm-hmm. gameplay is very easy. It, it's nice to look at the game pieces. There's nothing cheap looking about it. I mean, I guess they could have made the spaceships a little more detailed, but other than that, no, the spaceships are fine. Where yeah. they where they kind of skimped, and the only the only rub I have against this game is the money tokens. They're very yeah. tiny, and the, what do you think this game needs, John? The mix. And the money tokens is way off because we often find that we don't have enough of like yeah, and they use the, the tens or the they, fives. They or use the, the same money tokens for both versions of the game. So you get some odd denominations like in, in, the, in the classic version of the game. There's, there's dollar coins here. We don't even use them. Because everything is well, denominated. You, you in do once more. you own the factory or something like that because then you get a percentage of when people buy stuff. Because that, that's where it becomes an issue is, hey, I get $16 because he just bought that $160. Oh, okay. I yeah. was unaware that we ever used the one. So maybe yeah, I'm get, incorrect on that. When you build the space stations, you get a 10% kickback okay. if they buy from so your... So it's $120 okay, so, you're so, coming out to. And, so how does the uh, how do you play the game? Let's I mean, let's spend 90 seconds just to essentially explaining what's sitting on the board in Okay, front great. Um, who wants to give that a go? 
you fly your ship around to planets, buy stuff, and sell it at different planets, hopefully for more money. Well, it's always for more money, but yes, more but money than other players. The nice anyway. thing about it is the planets are randomized, and they only want certain well, let's just back items. up, because he gave the most vaguest, ridiculous... He didn't even use 90 seconds. ...ridiculous overview possible. Okay, okay, so what you have is a... A, ga- a map of the galaxy that's what 14 that's got 14 planets and a space station that's your home base and then a couple of other features throughout on each of the 14 planets is a face down card uh when you explore that planet when you're the first person to enter orbit you get to flip it over and it's going to determine what goods can be sold at that planet and what uh spaceships and spaceship upgrades you can purchase so when you're at a planet, you can choose to go down to the planet and pick up the goods, pay money for them. And on the goods token itself, it tells you what other planets will buy those goods from you. So, for instance, uh, at Planet 14, they sell uh, psychotic sculptures. Mm. And planets or races 1, 2, 3, and 4 will actually buy those for 250 credits. So you buy it for 120 at Planet 14. Then you have to fly. And then you have to fly and find a planet one, two, three, or four. And you can turn around and sell these psychotic sculptures. So so there are 14 planets, and, and you you put cards down, face down. You shuffle the cards, and you drop them down. So every time you play the game, the planets are in, or the cultures are each in a different location. Each civilization changes its location. So one of the things that happens is about halfway through the game, you start finding out Okay, here's a nice little loop down here where I can buy and then sell, move one space, buy, and then sell back in the other direction again. And you kind of get this little churn going the way your company is going to make money. And you've got four different people on the board. They may be doing the same loop you are, or they may have their own loop somewhere else. And the idea is to see how well you can do. And frankly, the first person to get to $2,000 wins the game. Yeah. Are there loops? Are there civilizations that buy and sell from each other because no, typically no. it's no like, i think you have to do three you have stops. to have like a three a little, it's, yeah. you, it's usually a three sometimes you get a four that works real well i think too. four is the the minimum because each each number sells to four well, but, other ones but but you can take one step from one planet to another and then you can be back on on a paying cycle again so it's it's each time you play it's a little bit different and and at times it works out really well at other times you struggle and then there's these oddballs because these pieces come out of a bag so somebody's looking for a ride and you can just give them a ride and you pick up 100 credits doing that that sort of thing so there's other ways to make some money as well and mm-hmm. you can you can build factories at places and there's it's 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 a very traditional um build your business sort of game. Yeah, yeah. It just happens to be set in outer space. I, I, I enjoy that you can, you it's, know, buy different ship types and upgrade that. That's fun. Yeah. It's the very definition of pick up and deliver. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, I mean, it's straight roll and move. So on your turn with the scout, which is the basic ship, you can roll three dice and the combination of those dice is how many spaces you can move. Now there's some, there's some spaces that are warp gates that require you ha- to have a certain die face to go certain ways. Um, that's a little more advanced than I want to talk about right now. But all that to say is sometimes you don't actually get to go the way that you want to. And you there's, have to make there's, detours. There's a little bit of adventure when you're, when you're traveling through space. And then um, as, you, as you play along, 
there are these tokens on the board that um, I don't know what they're called, but first contact, right? No, no, th- these tokens. Oh, these are the ones that are first contact, and then yeah. these are the exploration markers or something like that. Well, yeah, I think you're reading something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. So whatever they're called, I'm sorry, we'll we'll get back to you There's on that. There's some random stuff out in space. Basically, they flip over, and they can be artifacts that change the rules of the game in a way, or they could be um, like a like a nova that basically means you have to pay money to move through that space. Or they can be warp gates that will warp you clean across the board. So, I mean, it's it's about as random as a game can get, but still be very um, still you, controlled. You can and still, still you can still, still be in control over it. Yep. So yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's probably one of my top ten games, um, and I know it's due. It it needs to be reprinted again because it's mm-hmm. woefully out of print again. Um, but hopefully. They can figure it out and get another print run going soon. So, anyone else playing. have any parting thoughts before we give this one a shot? I think my summary was closer to 90 seconds than yours was. Yeah, but mine was more The two of yours combined were 90 seconds, but Sammy, you've got the start player. So, let's get this thing Grab some dice and let's roll. All right. Hey, I'll, I'll edit a beep in, but f*** this game. <laughs> I thought you were... Sup- I mean, I love this game, but we're going for this, the clean. This this particular this play. play of it was garbage. It was a solid first, a solid second, a solid third. That's true. I was kind of dead center in second place. I wasn't and going then, anywhere, uh, no matter very, what. Very, very awful. Low, just, just terrible fourth. Oh, everybody did fine. It was terrible. So, everybody okay. did fine. So Steve, Steven, Steven had a rough time tonight. He just kind of couldn't get things rolling, and you were just getting these die rolls that were just killing you. You had a chunk in the game where you were looking to roll a four. All you needed was one four on three dice, turn after turn after turn. I, you were not rolling fours, and just to rub it all in, we were rolling fours out the wazoo. I, I, I got to be three, honest. Three with fours in one can't, shot. Three fours in one yeah. shot after Stephen had tried to roll when a four you, like you three times. you can't roll a four... You kind of just got to pick a different plan, which is exactly what number. I ended up doing. I know. But, but you, what did he do? Yep. He rolled for But you kept trying. <laughs> well, I had the whatever the goods were at the bottom left of the board. Right. And you were, so your, they your were, holds were full. They were like three. They were the three goods. Mm-hmm. I needed to go up to the top right of the board where there was a warp gate that was a four. Yeah. And... There was a warp gate down at the bottom. You were all left. set. All you needed to do was all roll. All I needed four. was roll the and four. Magic. Because if I if I had rolled that four, I could have gone up there, sold. I could have bought the the fours, the threes or the fours or whatever they are out there, yep. and then go down to the six. I would have discovered the six, and I would have been in very good position. Yep. All right. So I missed that. We knew it was the six because all the other places were already out. Yeah. So I missed that on the first roll. Okay. No big deal. I can eat a. I can eat a turn. And still do okay on this. I won't. I might be able to beat Chris. All right, whatever. So I miss it the second time around. That's when you show up. Yeah, on and, the other side of the board and Hoover everything. Ate his lunch. <laughs> and Chris got whatever it was that he wanted. So the third turn, I'm like, all right, well, I can limp through this and be okay. And thank God you rolled a four. But I did not roll a four. You didn't roll a four. So at that point, I'm like, you know what? I've got to find another route. And that's when I... On the bright side? There's no bright side. Nobody's ship exploded, and everybody found their home world. I will admit it was pretty easy for me. No, I didn't find my home world. I had the relic that gave me a four every turn whenever I wanted it. And 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 to be fair... That is the nature of this game. Is you got to oh, yeah. roll with the punches. You you can have all the plans in the world, but something is going to shift out from under you, and you've got to be ready to change on a moment's notice. So you have to have these nice 
basic foundational pieces going on. You got to make it so your ship can go faster. You got to have the shield so you're not eating up all the money on, on your way there. You got you got to be able to roll with those punches. That's if all I part recall of it. the last time we played, I got stuck in that warp gate yeah, center down thing. In the bottom. Yeah, that's a mess. I never go there. And I think I, w- I if I remember correctly, I wasted like four turns in that because I could not roll any numbers to get out that of the get gate. You out. Yep. Sometimes I hate this game. So, I, so our game ran how long? Time. Our game ran about two a little, hours. A little over two hours. It was for pretty quick. Four-player game. We kept it moving, and we were cruising. And we've played faster. I mean, I remember games where, like, more or less, all three of us were taking yeah. our turns. I think there was two or three times that people just kind of zoned out or didn't know it was their turn. I yep. was one of them. Yep. And that's we, we we're not the fastest players on earth. We sit down to play one game in the evening. So if it ends up taking a little longer, we don't. Yeah. And the the other it. part of it is there's no direct interaction with each other. I was yeah. kept so, wanting to take pot shots at Chris. Yeah, there so was a couple times I was lined up to take a shot at John, but I just... I play, you're making I jokes, and I'm trying to make a point here. At least be funny if you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chris, oh, goes, to Chris goes to the penalty Chris box. is in timeout. Oh, man. Uh, Out of this world. What is it? Typically two minutes? All right. Start the, start the clock. Clock is on. You've got two minutes to make your point, Stephen. <laughs> All right, I Steven. forgot where I was. Uh, player interaction. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So there's no actual direct player interaction in this mm-hmm. game. So the amount of paying attention that you have to do on other people's turns is very limited. Yeah. Uh, the, the only time you really have to pay attention is when people are selling. Because my favorite mechanism of the game is anytime backing up. I have a Crown Royal bag that has all of the... Uh, merchant tokens. Right, the chips that essentially run the economy. So at the beginning of the game, all it is is a bunch of demand tokens, which basically get pulled out eventually, put onto uh, the different planets, and you get bonus money when you sell at that planet. You sell that good at that planet. So when you sell a good, you pitch it into the Crown Royal bag, and then you shake it up and you pull one out and you replace it. Mm-hmm. So on the board at any time, there's always the same amount of tokens, but they change. Okay. I guess that is true because it's one out, one in, or one, one out, in, one out. One in, one out. Uh, and if you do a demand, it's two in, two out. Right. But what it gives you is a dwindling supply in certain areas and then really high demand in other areas. Right. So it really incentivizes you to go to certain spaces on the board. Right. So, and, and that's part of that role with the punches thing, because mm-hmm. you, you'll be sitting there saying, I'm going to seven, and then the planet number eight suddenly gets two demand tokens for what you've got, mm-hmm. and they're suddenly worth like an extra $150. Well, that was the rule that huge. Sam had wrong, where they didn't build on top of each other. You just got no. the top one. Yeah, we were doing that wrong. You did that wrong. We were doing it right. You looked it up, and we're like, oh, that's but how this works. I had to look it up because you did not believe me. You challenged my authority, and you were wrong. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, so, so there is there there is a fair amount of rule density. This is this this is a more deluxe game. All right, this kind of thing, and, it, and it's right in Fancy Flight's wheelhouse, mm-hmm. and it's right in Richard Hamblin's wheelhouse, and he's written far more complicated games. But I mean, there's there's stuff to go on here. This is a deluxe game. This is not something you're going to bring out, learn in 15 minutes, and knock out in half an hour. Yeah, it's you're not gonna, Azul. This is not your like amateur that. gamer is going to enjoy playing. Yeah, this. you're gonna you're gonna, gonna learn gonna this game, mind. and the second game you're going to say okay we got a couple things wrong yeah. let's fix them yeah it's one of those games I mean, that you it's... play it once and then you pull the rule book out and you review and go okay now that i've got the footing that on how the game more works sense, yeah. right everything can start tuning i mean in. it's it's a rule book with percentages in it 
Any game that has percentages in it does tend to be heavier. Okay. Yeah, they're small percent. They're, no, no, they, I'm not the saying... The percentages are a small part I'm of the game. I'm not saying the math is heavy. I'm saying any game that asks you to do math involving percentages is going to be heavier. Well, I think I think just looking at the thickness of the rule book will give you a pretty good idea. And it's uh, and it was pretty nice. I think everything was in fifty or ten percent. And was there stuff that sold for like ninety? I think yeah. it was. I think everything was like a hundred, hundred and twenty. It was no, like even was, numbers. Uh, it was all tens, and I oh, think it was per, all tens. It was all per, by tens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In this game, it's all by tens. But if you get take ten percent of ten dollars, you end up with the every once in a while you end up with one dollars and two dollars, yeah. which yeah. I had forgotten about. I just kind of float around three yeah. ones. Yeah, I, I had forgotten about that. I thought everything rounded off to the nearest five, and it that, doesn't. that I think was like we talked about that as probably the weakest part of this game was the cash. We were constantly looking for tens. Physically, yeah, 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 and physically, and, and there's a lot of people that you know have their official dollars or their clay tokens or whatever it is and so that can be replaced relatively easily yeah but for functionally those are a little bit more trouble the rest of the tiles i think all work pretty well and the mm -hmm. board is like a carnival i mean there's, there's nothing classy and reserved about this it game. is I just, it is yeah yeah i think big my, primary colors i think my biggest gripe with this game is how noisy the board is um <laughs> That's it. I mean, you can parcel the it out. The saying it's a noisy board. Ringling Brothers board. Barnum and Bailey Circus is noisy as well. But you get to see elephants when you go there. I, I mean, that's it's not, not anymore. anymore. It's you can see posters of elephants. They get rid of the whole circus. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, so now you have to play Merchants of Venus. It's pretty to, to look at. Kind of a, the colors are nice. Mm -hmm. But it is a very visually noisy board, especially when you get all the tokens and stuff on it. But you kind of need it to be. You need that noise so you can see at a glance oh. and it, uh, from across the board, across the table, what's going on. But no, it's you know it, it works. Because if right? it were it's... if it were a more muted like if it were a more muted art style, I feel like a lot of a lot of the information would get lost. Would get I, lost. I agree. Well, well, we frankly, I think I think. I mean, it's noisy, but it also imparts a sense of of energy mm -hmm. and and like franticness and fun. And fun Whee! that I think I think you benefit from because part of the game is rolling the dice and seeing what you get, but it's also really easy to sit down and just like, all right, I'm gonna find the most optimal path and do that until you win. Yeah. So and the the energy helps with that. John made a joke about man, this game needs to be one, two, three, four in categories and very sectored and stuff. And that's part of the magic of the game is it's not. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> you have no idea where nine is. How many times did you pull something oh, out and go, yeah. where the heck is thirteen? Or where's right. we well, knew where two every was. single time? And, and after playing for an hour, you think you would have a pretty good idea where the numbers are, but you but you don't. So every somebody help me find seven, and somebody points down at the board. Yeah, I mean that's it. that's part of the fun is you and, like go and, where do I sell this, and you end up somewhere random, and, and it's part of the design of the game that every time you so so everybody talks about replayability, and they say, well, replayability is there's. 32 scenarios it's like no replayability is when the board changes shape every time you play it and this board changes shape every time you play it so no matter how well you did last time and figured out hey this is my nice little corner of the world and i can angle it next time you play that's not going to be there you got to find your new angle and, and frankly that's the magic of this game for me is mm -hmm. that every time you play it's different mm -hmm. if it were the same every time this would be, I think, a pretty boring game. Yeah. You'd play it once or twice. You'd go, wow. And then yep. you'd learn the paths and what way to go and how to do things, and you'd stop caring. Yeah. Yeah. But because it changes and the trade routes shift and move around every game, you go, oh, let's see where I take things this time. Yeah, there's a lot of complete randomness in this game with the layout of the board and then the the. The, the warp gates, the in and out of the the commerce tokens, the the relics that show up, 
because not all of the relics show up. We only had four of the six war yeah, peeps out. A fair chunk of them that don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, normally you don't. You see two, maybe three war peeps. This is yeah. the most I think we've ever we've seen. Ever seen? And yeah. there was a lot of relics. Frankly, I think the relics on the warp gates are more, way more interesting than the. Yeah, the but I mean, you think about it. Nebula. You were you had like six of the relics. Oh, uh, I had four. Four. No, I had four. the Mulligan die, the Spy eye, the autopilot, and the gate lock. Okay. Yeah, he so, only had four. I threw mine away. Here's a way, and I think I had, you had, had the crazy gate one, and I turned it into a shield. But those are you're making sixty to hundred bucks on a trade picking those up. It's a oh yeah, they were they was plus four hundred. Nice yeah. yeah, it was plus four hundred dollars. It definitely helps with traveling. At it the did. end, you didn't care about the gate locks at all because you could just oh, I'll go this way, this way, yeah. this way. No, it it let me win. Yeah, for sure, and that's because my strategy in the beginning of this game is always fly around and hoover up as many of the exploration tokens as you can. Uh, both because I really enjoy exploring in games. I think that's a lot of fun. And also because the relics are super cool, and I love tweaking the rules. Frankly, I'm a little disappointed John got the... The crazy what was the name of it? The crazy gate thing? That's not the name of it. That's not the name of it. But basically, every turn, instead of standard movement, he'd jump to a random, a semi-random warp gate, and he was just teleporting all over the map, and he threw it away because he got stuck, or he wanted to land on a planet... Any planet. Any planet. And every turn, <laughs> he ended up teleporting yeah, just, to, to a gate. Like, he couldn't reach yes, anywhere. Well, when he first got it, it, there were no gates out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we turned and over I just, four. I thought it was really cool. Um, it wasn't great, was apparently. Was it cool or was it, it was, cruel? No, I would have loved would, to cool try and make it work. Like get like, real close to the planet, but not <laughs> land on yeah. it. Yeah, he would come out the one gate, and he would need... Eight, and he, he would, would get a need, seven. He would need nine to get to land on a planet, and he would roll a seven or an eight every time. Well, he did that and, like four part, times. Part of it for, is, is the gate I needed to get to was, was a yeah, one. Yeah, it was so placed... I, I, so so yeah. I, in order to be there, I needed to roll a one, so I had two dice left to cover... About I think it was nine spaces what I need. So it's, yeah. it's well, you could have like tried for a region. different gate. Yeah, you could have tried for it, but, but, but chose the one. Yeah, you could have tried for a different gate or gone but for I, a different I, planet. Yeah, but none of those were solving my problem. That's why I was going for the one. I mean, I, I was there for a reason. And, w- and when I first got it, that w- that one was the second gate out on the board. I'm like, okay, so I, the four and the one were going to bounce me back and forth and back and forth, and I was going to have a nice little set there. And then mm-hmm. it just said, nope. That's just not going to work, and that's how it went. And then with the other two gates coming out, I'm like, at that point, this thing just becomes. Yeah. Oh, the other it. two gates were awful. Yeah, five and yeah. six. Yeah, well, they were, and, they were and down two spaces the, away from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two so spaces like, away from each other. When I first revealed them, it's basically like I go from one to the to the. I went from the five, and then to the six, then back to the five, and then back to the six because of the the ways that my rolls were. It was mm-hmm. just like. Yeah, I mean, okay, I just wasted another turn yeah, going I, back and forth I, between I these could two set games. My dice, I could set one of mine to a four, so I used it to jump to the other side of the board. Yeah. Um, but I just, I really liked the crazy thing John had because I thought it was really neat how it changed his gameplay entirely. Yeah. Um, and it didn't work out well for him, but I would have loved the chance to try and make it work myself. Yeah, even if it had just I, been in another spot, it might have worked real well. And had the other two warp gates not been on top of each other and been yeah. a little more, if you had like, a warp gate in each quadrant, you could have made it work. Okay, so here's yeah. a killer. And this this is the killer in this game. Is This is this thing you start thinking about the entire time you play. Because you, you got a spaceship, and you carry stuff from one place to another. Well, in order to do that, you need to fill your ship up. All right? And once your ship is full, you've got to dump goods. Because that's where your money comes from. And that's how you get space to pick up something. You've got to complete that transaction. So I have a ship with two cargo holds, and I cannot get to a place where I can dump the goods. I cannot get to a place where I can sell and buy, and that's what was killing me with that. If I'd had the ship that had five spaces, then when you end up going to the wrong place, you're like, 
oh, okay, I'm here. I'll grab something here. And you've got five spaces to fill that up. So if, if, if I've been able to get the big freighter, then that might have made a difference. But with the scout ship early in the game, it was just a kiss of death because I was full. So or I had if choice. you had the clipper, you could I have just, gotten farther. I want to say... If you had the freighter, you would have only been rolling two, two dice. dice. Yeah. <laughs> two dice, yeah. And you would have gotten nowhere on a one. Well, he would have, he would have gone over and shot. But I wouldn't have had to need to go to that one place because well, I would you, have had three more slots and I could have kind of uh, loped around other parts of the board. But you would have been limited to 2d6 spaces from any warp gate. He would have been limited to 1d6 plus 1. From that warp gate. From that, yeah. from that warp gate that he kept rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I'd be far more likely to not roll one of the warp gates because if I only had two well, dice. Potentially. The warp so gates were one, four, five, and six. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so, it's, it's, it was pretty zany how... It was a, this was a neat game. Yeah. Yeah. It was neat. I will say another thing I enjoy is the way they do ship speed. Mm-hmm. There's four classes of ships, and you roll between two and two, three, three, and four. Yeah, two, three, three, and four. So between two and four dice, depending on your ship type. But there's also different drive types where you can skip over certain colored spaces on the board. Mm-hmm. So you can skip over yellow or red or yellow and red, which really makes you go fast, even with the freighter where you can haul a bunch of stuff. And just, I remember mm-hmm. just flying through space in previous games because you're skipping every other space. Yeah. You almost have to have the combo drive if you get a freighter. Right, but yeah, once you right. do, you're making bank. You can go like yeah. crazy. Yeah, And that's the, and I, I that's really the route that, that I normally take. Yeah. I went a different strategy this time. Did yeah. not work. There. Yeah, I, just, and, I really enjoy how that works. And so, and and that's you know, I always have, I like a game where you can put your own personality into it. And there's some games I can sit there and close my eyes and say, okay, how would Chris play this game? How would Steven play this game? How would Sam play this game? And and each of us bring something different to the table. And and how would I play this game? Obviously, although I don't try to figure out my own brain on that kind of thing. But I mean, at one point after watching Chris do really well with that monster freighter, I mean, he's loping along, but when he delivered, he just a pile of cash. Six hundred dollars, please. Right. So at that point, I'm like, so the next time we play it, I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to play Chris's game. I'm going to see what this is like. And there's a moment of frustration when you're not getting anywhere quickly, but then suddenly you unload, and it's like I am cash fat. I've got everything I need to do whatever I want. And the other part of that is depending on how the game sets up. Yeah, the game like, set up totally different. Sometimes the sometimes that strategy won't work, and then yep. sometimes you look at it and you're like, okay, the Clipper strategy. Like, I've done the clipper strategy a couple times. lighter and faster. So Mm -hmm. you have only two cargo spots, but you know what you can do with two cargo spots? You can carry four passengers. Yep. And if the passengers are out there to grab, you can do great. And sometimes, like you said, if the passengers are there to grab, you Mm -hmm. can do that. Sometimes the passengers don't come up. Yep. Or they're so spread out, it's not worth it trying. I was in yeah. the Clipper, and I picked up a couple of passengers. We had an unfortunate airlock incident with one on a planet. But other than <laughs> that, I delivered two. Yeah, I but mean, there just I've, weren't a lot of passengers yeah, out the, there. The first time I played this game, I ended up with $1,990 behind the guy who won with like 2010, and I was doing nothing but delivering passengers because they were all over the board, and nobody else wanted them. They mm-hmm. were all carting cargo, and they were full. So they could never pick them up, and I was just... I, it, it, I could go in any direction and there was something to deliver. And that's the, the way this game sets up, the way those pieces come out of the bag, you're going to get a different play every time you play this game. And that's, that's Hamblin's thing. He just has a way of figuring that out. And, you know, we've talked about really well-developed games. This game, in spite of it being built in the 1990s, was just really well-developed. The, you know, the, the Baltimore boys at Avalon Hill played the heck out of a game until they got it honed down to what it should be. And this was one of the examples. And that's, 
I'll be honest, that's why I typically reach for the classic game, because I'm much more trusting of the work they were doing in the 80s and 90s at Avalon Hill than I am with the work that's getting done now and is moving too quickly. There's still sorry, 1988. 1988. Thank you very much. So it's it's earlier than I thought. Um, I think there are good games coming out now, but I think there's an awful lot of games coming out that I'm like, eh, it just wasn't quite tuned up enough. And and with something like this, you you feel the tuning. It may not be your kind of game, and that's fine. I understand that. But what it does, it does really well. And if it's your kind of game, it's the kind of game you're going to want to come back to every six months. Yeah, I know. I don't know what they are, but I know there were some edits that were done to the classic game and the original 1988 version. Okay. And I think, if I recall, it was just the number of spaces between the the planets and then the overall layout, I think they fixed. I I know they... They made things clearer. Yeah. Yeah, that I I don't. Oh, and the other thing is, like, some of the planets were, like, Planet 7 and 7A. 7A and 7B. Mm -hmm. Every planet, or every good ship to three, every good ship to the next four planets. Mm -hmm. But there were a couple of planets where there was an A and a B, so those would go to five planets. Okay. And me just describing it that way tells you just how is clunky little, that was. It's convoluted. What yeah. they've done is they've gone 1 to 14, yeah. and then the, the 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 goods that would ship to five places instead of four places, they've just renumbered them to where it makes sense that way. Okay. So you look at it here. So and, that's that's a clarity change. It's not mm-hmm. a game Cause change. Because it, it used to be like... There was like at the bottom of the good, it didn't say this good delivers to two, three, four, and five. It would the rule was it delivers up to four spaces, up to four numbers above, up to four numbers above. That was just the rule, okay. And so you had that 7a and that 7b, so that you had two extra plate, two extra places that you could drop that good off. So they declunkified it essentially. So I haven't haven't played the original since like 2008 or something. So they they made polish and and um. And clarity changes, but they didn't change the system that much at all. Okay. Uh, now, the advanced game, or the, the standard game, I guess, is, is what Fantasy Flight's calling it. If I recall again, I've read the rule book. There's a lot more ship customization that you can do. Okay. And then there are event tiles that you draw. Okay. So... I'm sold. I'm in. I love ship customization. Yeah. So... May game on. We'll play it with what, the standard. What was right. the game? Oh, so El Grande. We were talking about why why we thought Sam didn't like El Grande, right? And we came to the conclusion that it's too simple. There's essentially two running gears to El Grande. Yeah, it's putting the people mm-hmm. out, and then the area majority part of just scoring. Yeah, so right. really, it's it's a very simple game. Now, if there was some kind of board on the side that you had to manage some kind of a resource to be able to put your guys out or uh, a resource to be able to put out more grandes. Or there or, was demand in Catalonia for people. Or you had to yeah. explore Catalonia to figure out and, where the Castile right. was. So that would make for more... the jump gate in medieval that Spain. That would make for a more right. interesting game for Sam. because It would. Yes, he's he he's a millennial, and that's what it's it's the ADD. He, he well that too. He needs the extra levers to pull. <laughs> I feel like he needs if the extra. Um, um, I feel uh, like if we put yeah. if we put extra out the if we put out the the standard board, I have a feeling that these two, Chris and Sam, would like it a lot better, and me and you probably would be 
Can we go back you to know, the original? Steven, we have two copies of this game. Can we go back game? to the, the classic We game? can play back to back. We can play side, one standard and... No, 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 side by side. Same time. You take Same your turn time. standard, you would take your turn in classic. Two tables, you, you get over there, you take your turn. <laughs> it would go... It's how fast it would go, though. Oh, no, it would be oh, terrible. Like your turn. Oh, my God. God. My, my head hurts so bad right <laughs> now. <laughs> we'll, even, we'll even... We'll have, we'll have a fifth person set it up so that... As close as possible, the randomization is the same, yeah, and, too. And, and, and you know the last thing you need? Tequila shots to go with it. That's right. The other thing to note about the standard game is there are a set number of turns. Okay. So oh, okay. So it's, it's pretty different. It's there, there are quite a few differences. I think in the spirit of the game is about the same in that, mm-hmm. you know, the planets have, um, you know, different cultures that come up in different places so the cultures are all randomized and the goods are all randomized i be, i still feel like the the uh the goods bag is um still there so i think the spirit of the game is still the same it's just the the levers that go along with it are different so anyway we've we've talked pretty pretty extensively about our experience with merchant of venus we've touched on the history of it a bit I have one experience I'd like to share that you can probably tell a little better than I can. Oh, okay. So this is tangential to to our game. So we were at Gen Con. Yeah, because we were in the Gen Con auction area. We we used to like to go and hang out in the auctions. So this was released in 2012. So this had to have been Gen Con 2011. Yeah. So 12 years ago. We like to, one of the thing, one of the highlights of Gen Con for us is twofold. We love the auction because it's an opportunity for us to offload a bunch of games, make a little bit of money, but at the same time, it gives us the opportunity to see and pick up games. Pick that, up some of the classic games that so you The classic games that we or... might not be able to find elsewhere. Yeah. So up comes a copy New and shrink, like unopened, 1988 Merchant of Venus. Starting bid is $100. First person, someone's like, okay, great, $100. Yep. Okay, 110 sure, 110 It goes up to $120 and stalls. The auctioneer is like, okay, look, I cannot let this sell for $210. 120 $100, $120, sorry. $120. I cannot let this sell for $120. I mean, the reserve, there was no reserve on it, so technically he could. It was sold. And the guy that is trying to buy it for $120 is like, shut up and give me my game. Exactly. But he just kept going. He's like, no. He's like, I'm, someone's going to need to give me 130 And so he talked the auction up to about 150 I mean, it took like 10 minutes before everybody said, oh, I'm just going to pay an extra $10 just to shut him up. Yeah, so I think it ended at like 150 But, you know, this was a game that before second edition was announced was going for like $200 on a decent played copy, a new and shrink copy at that time was going for around 400 to $500. Except for this one, except for this one, because you said they announced the reprint, they had announced the reprint and everyone was just going to, why pay $500 for a game when you can just pay retail? What I think was $60. But the, the people that were in that auction that heard that guy just going and going and trying to, to push shut it. Shut up and I'm move on. I'm sure there's somebody listening to this podcast that's going to sit there and go, I was in that room. I remember that. Mm-hmm. They just drop us a line on Discord or something. Just say, I remember. I mean, that. it was. It was, just, it was very memorable to both of us. Yeah, we but, still joke about it all the time. It just was like he would not let it. The auctioneer would not let it go. I'd and, be mad if I was and the, the guy, guy who that was. 
trying to buy it was, was fuming. And everyone in the crowd's like, look, give it to him. Give it to him. It's 120 it's $120. That's that's all anyone wants to pay for. Give it to him. And it was he's funny like, at first. And he was like, no, this this game should be at least going for $300. He said that like twice. I know. And people in the room, it, it started to turn on him. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so that was that was that story. We've got other Gen Con auction stories that we may get to. but um, At least this one was kind of They're wrong. legendary. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right. so. I won. Circling back around. We've we've talked about the game. We talked about their experience that we've had this time. Talked a little bit about uh, the presentation and how busy the board is. Uh, yes, yeah, Samuel, you won. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what your final thoughts are? So I don't remember winning this game regularly. I'm sure Stephen will check. It just happened a moment ago. Well, I said regularly. Oh. So I did just win. Also, John, I think did I win by more than one turn? No, because uh, he would have no, gotten in another turn. I probably would have been over 2000 but you would have had another turn to make some bucks too so okay um, well you know, no because you were the last player so this is your first win that i have logged okay i mean i don't play this a ton um yeah, we typically play one. it twice a yeah. couple times a year um it wasn't that long ago we played it here but it was i really enjoyed it um normally i would probably say this isn't the kind of game i would enjoy just because as you mentioned there isn't a ton of player interaction mm-hmm. right um, you can compete a little for demand and for passengers and, you know, there's, li- there's limited quantities of things on the board, mm-hmm. but there, there's still plenty of stuff on the board. You're very yeah. unlikely to be going for the same thing as everyone else. Um, despite that, I think it's a fun puzzle to try and solve. You get to see how things shake out and try and come up with your own route and make it work. And I really enjoy that aspect of this because it's different. it's different every time. Yeah. If it weren't for that, uh, you'd have to talk me into playing this game. But it is different, so it's a fun little puzzle. That said, I'm going to give this game a solid 7. Okay. I enjoyed it. Um, I certainly know people who would enjoy playing this, but at the end of the day, I think I'm I'm glad I don't have to own a copy. All right, awesome. So let's see. John was next. Okay. Um, Tell us about Merchants of Venus, John. How does you know, it make you feel? It's it, it it's a game where you can kind of wander around and do what you want. So I, I think they is that a called a sandbox game? Yes, yeah, I think that's, kind that's of what they mean by a sandbox. I like games with maps and games where you kind of got to figure out how to get from here to there and where it actually makes a, a material difference in what you're playing. So this game is right in my wheelhouse, and I can't say that I'm particularly any better at it than anybody else. I think I win my share and that's fine. Um, but it's just, it's, there's interesting things and it's, you, it's kind of a heuristic play. You've got some, some basic general rules on how to succeed, but then you have to apply them moment to moment, even between turns you're sitting there, you can end up changing your mind because of, um, the way other people have cruised on by. And you sit there and you say, there's not a lot of player interaction, um, the nature of a pickup deliver game is you get in there and you swipe it out from under somebody and you move on. And yeah, compared to a lot of modern games, there's every bit as much player interaction here as just about everything that's coming out where, you know, at best you're putting your guy in somebody else's way so they can't get their two brown cubes or whatever it is. I mean, so I, I, guess, think, I, I, I think it rolls along with everybody else from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's definitely indirect interaction. Yes, there's yeah. a race to get the goods there's and no to get the good price, other. but you can't... You can't block somebody from going into a space. Sure, you can buy the last That's whatever, I, but yeah. I, I, see, yeah, I, even, so, I, even, I even think blocking is a weak tee. Now, if you, if you could shoot somebody or you could steal their stuff, you show up at the same spaceport and you can grab their stuff like off of their flight deck. 
that would be some player interaction, and that would be kind of neat. But yeah. similar to the way we were talking about Heat, I mean, this is a game where you can put a fair number of house rules in to just kind of give it whatever flavor you want to make it more or less lucrative, yeah. that sort of thing. I, I suppose from my perspective, um, I didn't really interact with any of you guys at all over the course of this game, mm-hmm. right? I didn't really care what you did. Your actions did not impact my choices. I just did my own thing. So, so all, yeah. all in all, I enjoy the game. It's a game you pull out once a year, once every six months maybe. Um, and part of that is because there's a fair amount of brain load here. I mean, it's not a light game that you knock out in half an hour. And I actually had a very bad day at work today. I had production down at work today. So I can kind of came staggering in here and and sat down on the couch. But as it turns out, um, I managed to get through this pretty well. I mean, there's, it's, you know, there's a little bit of rule density here, but um, you can always look that up. And it's just, it's it's fun to fly your ship around. It's a, it's a game you can come in third place and still say, you know, I did okay because I came up with $1,500. Apparently I mean, it's, you can't it's, see that in fourth place. Though. Why are you rubbing it in? No, you can. You, well, <laughs> no, you, I, I'm I, the one to get say, you know, I did okay. I finished up with like 1620 so or something like I, that. I mean, obviously you don't want to come in last place. You're better off coming in first place. But at the same time, it's, it's similar to a lot of economic games. And that's fundamentally what this is. You're driving a ship instead of building a, a, a factory or something. But it's it's at the end of it, you can say, yeah, I kind of got my stuff going. I got my big ship and I'm making making business. And, and that's that's uh, that I did OK. Even if I didn't win, I did OK. I actually built something. It's nice to be able to look at something you built and say, this is mine, said the loser. No, no I just, <laughs> John, everything you're saying, I agree with. I didn't say you didn't. It doesn't normally happen. What doesn't normally happen? Yeah, there's usually friction between you two. Yeah, yeah. there's usually friction between our viewpoints. There's but constantly friction between <laughs> but us. But everything Sam. you said, I agree with. Okay, well, if it makes you feel any better, I disagreed with most of what you said. No, okay. we can just call it even. All right, that does make me feel so better. So give us a number, John. Whew. Let's see if we can agree to disagree on a number here. Uh, it's, 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 uh, I think uh, I, hate, I hate to go too big on this i'll uh I'll, I'll i'll go with a really really strong seven and 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 it's it's a game to keep in your pocket this this game is quote out of print which really means it's out of stock because i don't sort of monopoly and like parcheesy there are no games that are like being printed constantly they get done in slugs and this i don't get to ride i don't and ticket to ride but even that's done <laughs> Settlers in slugs. Of Catan. um but um but this this is a game that that is a little hard to find, but if you if you want to find, and the thing is, if you buy it used, you're going to sell it for the same price you buy it if you decide you don't like it. So it's actually probably safer to buy this as a used copy than to try and find a copy that's new. And the copy that I bought was used, and it came with Plano boxes, and everything was sorted and neat, and it's really sweet, and I actually got a lot of value add. Probably the box that I got for half price was a better purchase on buying it new and having to punch everything out myself and organize it myself. Mm. So There was a lot of punching in this game, that's for sure. Oh, I believe it. All right, Chris. All right, Chris, you were third place. I was third place, and I did okay. Can I you ended just up with go 16, so I can get mine over with? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I disagree a lot with what John was saying. There were times I was on the board, and I was like, at the beginning of the game, I was like, man, I am going to shoot John. Because that's what I wanted. I wanted a little bit of conflict. There isn't conflict in this game. There's really not. Which is nice. It was two hours. It was quick. It was fast-paced. You do a lot of thinking, a lot of planning and stuff. Conflict and interaction are two different things. But uh, fair enough. Yeah. There, I mean, it would be nice, you know, I don't know, if you could do something like oh, tractor beam. Or, heck yeah. It, it just push oh. somebody onto another spot. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm all yeah. in. Or like leave, a, leave a, a mine floating in space or yeah. something to like block something. I think that would be cool, but that would be another game. This game is really good the way that yeah. it is so i don't think you need to change it but 
For oh my me, god! How long version, would that game be? I know. For this version <laughs> of the game, you know, it it was good and it does what it's supposed to do, and I enjoy playing it all the time. Um, you know, it's a game that it does what it it doesn't outstay its time on the board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice one. So overall, no, you're gonna have to say that again because I swore. It doesn't outstay its time on the table. Doesn't overstay its welcome. <laughs> you really have to stay on top of the game. Status. Go ahead, call it a nice filler game. Call it a. Uh, it's definitely not a filler game. No, it, no it's, it's a high, engaging. It's a it is it's engaging. A, it's a very engaging game. There, there was. I mean, we're all planning, plotting. Nothing changes on the board except for maybe there's in demand over here. But what you have is what yeah, you have. Yeah, you can totally plan out your turn ahead of time. Yeah, it was Even, there were a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm flying. I didn't make it there. It's the next person. Yeah, this turn. time three people can be taking their turn simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, yes. even if it's even if it's ninety percent solitaire, everyone's solving the puzzle in a different way. It's yeah, and just trying to be the fastest and the best yeah. at it. So my rating on this, I'll give it a, a straight seven. It's I enjoy it, but you know there are other games that I could put in front of it. Okay. Steven, you came in last. Steven. Sub- subjectively, this particular play, I want to rate it so, so low. Such You're a talking weak like a seven. basement seven. I mean, like... <laughs> like a cellar? Like a like cellar, a cellar seven. seven. <laughs> Look, I did not do well this game. We can We can put that out there. We can get it out of the way. Despite that... The classic game of merchants or merchant of Venus is fundamentally it's it's such a beautiful game. It's so good that despite how bad I did, I can see I can just see past it. And you know we've played this. I, I have four games logged. I have five games logged now. I know we've played this at least a dozen times within the group over the years, and. I have very fond memories and I'm always looking to play this game. Like I know it's a time commitment. So sometimes you have to take that into account, but man, it's a lot of fun. Even when you're losing. Yeah. You know, the die rolls, they, they never went my way, but every time the whole table was groaning with they, me, they, it tells a story. I mean, it was, it, it was an a story. It was an event that I could not roll a freaking four. Mm hmm. Three, t- three rolls in a row, and then even two rolls after that, I still couldn't roll a four. And and then John rolls three of them. Yeah, and, and then triple John, fours. yeah, triple fours. So what? how many games can you think of that can actually do that? Yeah. 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 How, how many games allow you to be that obnoxious grandfather that tells you the inane stories about stuff you don't care about? Because at some point in your future, you're going to be like, you know, Sonny, when I was playing that game, and you're you're, you're going to have a hundred stories, and there, there's, you know, we've played hundreds of titles, and there's probably six hundred of them that, if we saw the name, we'd go, I don't remember that at all. Merchant of Venus is one of the titles that you remember the game, you remember individual plays, and the kind of things that happen. And not only that, in the games that I have logged, I have not won a single time. Oh, you tell us this now. Yeah. So also. In the games that I've logged, because I logged the scores as well, the highest I've ever earned was seventeen thousand. 
hundred. Seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred. You won seventeen thousand. You won. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, seventeen thousand. Maybe they need to add seventeen hundred. So one time I did okay. So you've come in second. I, I don't know. I'd have to like really dig into that. Seventeen hundred could be. That could be a not, second. It could be second. That would have been third be in this game. Third, yeah. Yeah. So depends. Was he it playing wasn't solo? Eleven hundred. Seventeen hundred is respectable. Whatever place you're in. So, yeah, but you know, Stephen, two more turns and you would have been there. You, you were just getting your footing. Yeah, this is you were so close. I to probably would have been it out of the park. That I you probably need to would have been like game fourteen fifty, two turns from now. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, but then you can spend all your money on a a big pickup, and then you go and you win. And then I would need like another three turns. All right, well, you know. So I mean, we'd be playing for another hour. And y'all would be at 40000 Yeah, probably. We, we could have sandbagged it. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> We'd do that for you. But regardless... So next time, just remember. Objectively, this is a great game. Based on how I played, I want to rate it low, but based on what I know of this game... Objectively. Objectively, it's a 7. Okay. So I'm happy that we got to it, and I'm going to be happy that... Okay, well, they're all right. So Chris is showing us online what the prices are on eBay. It's like eighty. They're pretty reasonable. Seventy five, so, yeah, ninety dollars. Go, go out and buy a copy and, because, and like you said, if it turns out you don't like it, you sell it for the exact same price. Honestly, yeah. eighty dollars is cheaper than what this would be at retail if it was reprinted. Yep, exactly. Yeah. All right. And hey, if you take it to Gen Con, the guy won't let it go for anything less than one hundred and twenty. Right, and you may get Plano boxes in it when all is said and done. I all mean, right. just it makes perfect sense. So anyway. A grudging seven from Steve. No, no, not grudging. Seller. It's it's an objective over, seven. He's overcoming his base nature to yeah. appreciate the objective game. Yep. Yeah. So that's Merchant of Venus. Oh, as, I had one more thing I wanted to say. Okay, go ahead. Um, it's kind of back to component quality. Okay. Um, so you have 14 different civilizations, mm-hmm. and they're all different, and they sell different goods to each other, and it's cool. What I really, really liked is on the card where you flip over and you see what civilization you've discovered, there's a picture and like a little little lore blurb mm-hmm. at the bottom of it that I really enjoy when these when games have things like that because it's not necessary. It's not necessary. But it and adds, it adds yeah, flavor. It adds color. a little bit of spice. Like I saw there's the, like there's one species that apparently used to rule the galaxy until they ended up being devolved and now they worship their previous students. And when you look at their lore, they've evolved, they've like ascended into the next plane and what's left is actually their after images that mm-hmm. just make freaky art. And then the eep eeps just say yeah. eep. Yeah. And it, it's, it's fun. I just enjoy, it's a nice touch. Yeah. I mean, any time, any time, and you know, this is something that we've noticed with Fantasy Flight that they happen to do really well, such as with Team Manager. So, I mean, any time that they can make the effort and do a good job with it is definitely appreciated. They tell a good story. Yeah. So go out, get on eBay, get this game, give it a shot. It's really good. And then let us know how your game went.